Welcome to Sex Care is Self-Care, a conversation on women's sexual health brought to you by the Patty Brisbane Foundation for Women's Sexual Health. I'm your host, Patty Brisbane. If you're one of the many women trying to get pregnant and wondering if it's time to seek professional help, today's show is for you. I have the amazing Dr. Michael Thomas, who joins me to discuss fertility and how to improve the chances of pregnancy. Right now, I want to thank my guest for being here. He knows I absolutely love him and his wife, and I'm always so grateful to be in your presence, and you're always there to support, and I want to say thank you so much for that. Thank you. But now I want you to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do. My name is Michael Thomas. I am a reproductive endocrinologist or fertility doctor, and uh, I am also the chair or head of the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology or OBGYN at the University of Cincinnati. Thank you. Dr. Thomas, what are some of the causes that can create problems for females when they're trying to get pregnant? Well, I, I think that uh, in a uh, female patient, uh, there are a number of things that we look for and we have to test for before we just start throwing medicines at them. One is to make sure that their tubes are open. The fallopian tubes, which are the tubes that connect the uterus and, and uh, the ends of the tubes pick up the egg, sometimes the tubes can become blocked either because of an old infection like gonorrhea or chlamydia or, an old, or previous surgery like surgery for endometriosis or endometriosis or fibroids which are muscle tumors, endometriosis, uh, which is when you find the inside of the uterus, outside of the uterus, these tissues, and that can cause scar tissues. And sometimes women just don't release an ache or can have things like polycystic ovary syndrome or thyroid problems. Uh, or uh, they could have issues where uh, the cervix uh, may be closed off. They, their anatomy may not be 100%. So there are a number of different reasons uh, that a person can have a fertility problem. And uh, it's really important to seek the advice of a fertility physician if they've been trying for a period of time and can't uh, get pregnant. And there are some things that they may, that their regular gynecologist may not know or may not be able to do. That's why seeing a doctor who is more trained uh, in the fertility field may be important. So we know it's not only just women. Correct. But what types of problems do men face? Well, men can have issues because of infections or because their sperm uh, isn't either moving correctly. The count of the sperm isn't enough. Uh, so we like there's a threshold number that we like to see. Or the sperm may not be shaped right. So have for male, getting a sperm a semen analysis or sperm analysis is very important because the sperm analysis... Uh, which is probably 70 to $90, tells us a lot of information. It tells us whether it's moving, whether it's shaped normally, and whether there are enough sperm there. I know um, because I have granddaughters, 20, mm-hmm. 18, 20, mm-hmm. um, there's been a lot of controversy on this COVID vaccine. Yes. And, you know, um, I, I, I don't want it to affect my fertility down the road. Yeah. I don't know whether it's been on TikTok, Facebook, <laughs> what, what. Yeah. but would you let the public know, yeah. does this really play a part? 
the, the COVID vaccine does not in any way, shape, or form affect a woman's fertility. There's a lot of misinformation out there for whatever reason. Uh, Dr. Google isn't always your best friend. Uh, and uh, for, there's just this rumor out there. I don't know how it started or where it started, but the COVID vaccine is a, is a potential Nobel Prize winning uh, addition to the things that we have in the medical field, and, but it does not in any way affect a person's fertility now or in the future. That is so good to hear. I'm going to make sure that they have their yeah. earphones on and listen to this yeah. podcast because the it's it is a lot of controversy amongst those college students uh let's switch gears a little bit and talk about chemicals that we use on a daily basis whether we're cleaning our home or we're putting makeup on or you know just lotions um how does that affect our fertility yeah we 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 see that a lot i mean it it is uh uh things like douching uh uh we shouldn't do in general, but douching can affect uh, uh, fertility because you can wash s- uh, sperm out if there's sperm there after intercourse. Uh, uh, but you know, to be honest with you, the male system is a lot more finicky, and uh, the male system uh, you see more of these external factors or environmental toxins affecting uh, the men more so than women. And Envi- there are environmental toxins that can affect eggs and affect the quality of the eggs. Uh, we always look at PFOA, which is in, you know, different types of, um, uh, uh, thermoses and, and different types of water bottles. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, I think there's a lot of PFOA free water bottles these days, and that shouldn't affect, uh, uh, uh the egg production or, or the egg quality as much. Because uh, we've been doing a number of those studies in conjunction with Children's Hospital, uh, but uh, males are really uh, have a lot of problems, more so with things like cleaning solutions. We see it a lot sometimes in our pilots uh, who are out inspecting the planes, and they ha- they're smelling this airplane engine. People who work around chemicals, they work in laboratories. It may affect the males more so than females. People who are uh, working with glues and solvents. Uh, uh, truckers because they're sometimes in these cabs that are very very hot Uh, some men don't have problems but there's some men who do so uh, the your individual uh, body response to these things uh, may affect the fertility more so in men than in women good to know yeah Um, so what about lifestyle changes can that help preserve fertility yeah, we you know that there are things that people can do like you know we don't want people who are trying to get pregnant to sit in very hot hot tubs a lot because that can kind of increase the uh, uh, temperature or in and around the scrotum and therefore decrease sperm counts. Um, there are uh, things that people do, for example, men who are heavy weightlifters uh, uh, and they take a lot of uh, androgen type products in order to increase their muscle mass. Uh, unfortunately, these over-the-counter or prescribed uh, male supplements are like birth control pills, and you just see this plummet in sperm wow. counts, and people don't understand that. Well, why is this happening? Well, you're taking something, 
that it's actually lowering your own personal testosterone and therefore your personal testosterone is decreasing your sperm count. So we see this a lot in these people who are heavy. So if someone comes into my office and they're real muscular, that's one of the first questions I start asking about is what are they taking as a supplement? Sometimes they'll sort of shy away from it, but yeah, most of them are maybe taking something. And also the uh, women who are taking supplements, androgen or male supplements that can also affect uh, their ability to produce an egg on a regular basis. So are, there are those types of questions that have to be asked that may indeed prove that there may be on a supplement uh, or people who are taking, who have low T and they're taking more testosterone, uh, uh, like a patch or a pill, that actually may lower their sperm count. So th there are all these different things uh, that may be going on that you think are okay that may actually be affecting your fertility. So talking to the male partner, uh, during a conversation with a couple who has a fertility problem is very important because uh, when you look at fertility problems, it's about half the time it's the male problem and half the time it's the female problem. We always concentrate on the, the female part of things, but the male partner is also an important part of that uh, discussion when it comes to their inability to have a child. How about smoking, drinking, alcohol? Yeah, alcohol in large quantities uh, can uh, affect uh the liver, uh, and we do see that for people who have a hard time with their alcohol uh, in men and sometimes in women because hormones are metabolized in, in uh, uh, the liver and the alcohol can affect their liver metabolism. But you do see an alcohol issue uh, a lot in, in males who have a then for a decrease uh, uh, problem. Uh, men can have these varicose veins called varicose seals around their testicles. Uh, and that can also affect their fertility. So there are a number of different things, and we always try to work in conjunction with the male reproductive doctors. There are a few good ones in the Cincinnati area, and there are a few uh, good male reproductive doctors around the country uh, who are uh, very good at trying to fix uh, a problem, diagnose a problem, and then try to hope overcome the problem so that people may not necessarily have to undergo things like in vitro fertilization. Well, I know there there's people out there and this is not on the paperwork here yeah. today but i'm going to ask this and maybe the study hasn't been done how about people who uh marijuana yeah marijuana uh excessive use of marijuana yeah i mean we, we've noticed uh that marijuana and very uh and people who use it excessively not in recreational amounts but excessive amounts uh, may notice a decrease in sperm count. And now that marijuana is, is legal across the country, uh, we do ask about the amount of marijuana use. Not that, not that it's a bad thing for people, but, it, but if you are excessively using it, it may indeed affect sperm counts. So when you say excessive, does that mean daily? Uh, probably hourly. Uh, you <laughs> know, so <laughs> people who smoke on a you know occasional social basis yeah. probably don't see it as much but people who are basically at home and just smoking pot all day long i remember i had a guy come to my office and put his feet on my desk and just said he sits at home and smokes pot all day i told him to get his foot, feet off my desk yes. and, <laughs> and i probably should thing. cut down on his uh, pot smoking because that may indeed be affecting their uh, ability to get pregnant and it turns out it was his sperm count was uh, a little on the lower side and he he 
decreased his, his, his marijuana production. And over time, it took about 90 days, 70, 90 days, but we did see a change in his sperm count. But everyone's different. There are some people who smoke recreationally uh, uh, and uh, they don't have a problem. So it depends on that particular person. There you go. What are What is your advice for women with irregular cycles? Uh, what's your advice to them? Well, I mean, a lot of the people, a good percentage of people who have irregular cycles may have polycystic ovary syndrome. And it's thought that 8 to 12 percent, sometimes up to 15 percent of women may have this condition, which is when uh, they may have a little increase of hair above the lip, below the chin. Uh, they may have uh, cycles that may be more than the normal uh, 22 to to 20, 32 days. Uh, and if you have a cycle that's over 35 days, uh, then that's not a normal cycle. And you need to probably seek the advice of a fertility doctor so we can give medications that can help to uh, make sure that you're ovulating on a regular basis because the folks with irregular cycles may not be releasing an egg in a predictable way. So it's hard to know when to have intercourse to increase your chances of getting pregnant. Okay, well, what about the women who are taking birth control? How long should they be off the birth control pills before yeah. they think about trying to conceive? Well, we always just say one cycle off. In the old days, the higher dose birth control pills, people were concerned they would have people off for three months, but not anymore. We actually, and when we do in vitro fertilization, we put people on pills for a week or two to kind of regulate the, to their cycle to time their IVF cycles. Uh, and the, the pills that we have these days, these really low dose birth control pills that uh, are mostly prescribed these days, most people start ovulating as soon as you take them off. So uh, we say a cycle just to get back to some degree of regulation, but a lot of people who can get pregnant will get pregnant possibly in that first or second cycle. Wonderful. Um, okay, what about women who have experienced a miscarriage? Should they be seeking a fertility specialist? Well, uh, usually the the definition of uh, uh, and it's, and it's, uh, the definition of a recurrent pregnancy loss is when you've had two miscarriages. It used to be three, and no one wants to have three miscarriages no. before they can seek help. But generally, after two, because you know there's always a chance that that these things may happen. Unfortunately, and there's not always a reason why. So it's and it's not the patient's fault. It can just sometimes happen. Uh, sometimes it's due to the shape of the uterus. Sometimes it's due to a chromosomal issue. And obviously you see miscarriages in people over the age of 35, more so than women under the age of 35. So with that said, I, I would tell you that um, uh, the best advice I would give is after, if you've had two miscarriages, it's best to seek uh, the help of a fertility specialist. It's not an infertility problem because you're getting pregnant, but it's a problem that needs more investigation uh, and it's usually covered by insurance. Not all fertility problems are covered by insurance, but this is not a fertility problem. So you don't, you don't have to worry about costs usually. Right, what about that woman who has put her career first mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden hasn't found the right person? Right. What about her? What should she be aware of? I, I think that uh, what we try to, the advice we try to give to women who are uh, career oriented, 
is to try to consider freezing eggs at an earlier age. So if you have a person who's in a PhD program, a, uh, a law school, in uh, medical school, or any program where it, it may delay your ability to get pregnant, it's better to consider uh, freezing eggs or freezing embryos with your partner or freezing embryos with donor sperm. Or we tell people to do half and half, maybe do half eggs and half embryos. Uh, to at least have an option in case they don't find that uh, person that they want to have a child with later on. And by freezing eggs at an, at an earlier age, you can then use a earlier, younger version of yourself uh, when you are now 40 plus. Uh, so having your eggs from uh, a 28-year-old you or a 30-year-old you, uh, it's going to be a little bit more helpful than having a the eggs of a 40, 45 year old you. Uh, so having a version of yourself at a much younger age, it's going to be helpful and increase your chances of having a child later on in life. I know we've kind of touched on all this, but I'm going to go one more time. Okay. When is it time to visit a fertility doctor? Yeah, the best time is, is generally uh, the uh, your general OBGYN will refer you after a year of trying if you're under 35 or if you're over 35 after six months of trying because that's when you defined a fertility problem. Uh, but the sooner you see a fertility doctor, the sooner you'll be able to get pregnant. We love our OBGYN colleagues. My wife is an OBGYN, uh, but she knows that if a couple really needs our help, uh, the chances of that couple getting pregnant is going to be much sooner by seeing a trained fertility doctor. And there are a number of them out there. You can find them through uh, places like uh, American Society for Reproductive Medicine or the Society for Reproductive Endocrinology and Infertility on the websites. Uh, and I would tell you that the the being able to streamline your chances versus going around in a circle and seeing a fertility doctor sooner versus later is going to get you there much faster. For someone who has been, for a woman who's been referred to a fertility specialist, what should she expect on her first visit? Does she come with her significant other? Does she come by herself? What should she expect? Well, I mean, nowadays we're seeing people either be a uh, telemedicine, seeing them over the internet, you know, having the uh, uh, partner there, uh, if, uh, where they have a male partner or female partner is very important uh, because we can get more information if it's a, a male partner, especially if it's a, their female partner, uh, it's always nice to have that person there for support. Right. Uh, and, uh, uh, but with the male, there are probably questions that we can ask the male uh, related to his family history, uh, that uh, the female partner may not know. And uh, there may be some, uh, it's always good to have someone there uh, for support if you need that person. But I would tell you probably 60% uh, of the time, it's generally the female partner alone uh, uh, for whatever reason. Uh, and that's okay, at least to get the, uh, the process started. But as I always let people know, when we talk about fertility issues, it's about 50-50. So uh, even though the female is, 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 you know, making sure that they have that discussion, uh, sometimes uh, and half the time it's going to be probably a, a problem related to the male. Good to know. Yeah. You know, I want to thank my guest, Dr. Michael Thomas, for a great conversation. And if you liked what you heard today, 
please like and subscribe to our podcast. For more information on the Patty Brisbane Foundation for Women's Sexual Health and our six focus areas, visit the Patty Brisbane Foundation for Women's Sexual Health. Remember, sex care is self-care and sexual health matters. Thank you.